What up, what up, what up? It's the Sports Roundtable, live from the SRT Studios overlooking Atlantic Station. And we're in the building once again. It's Happy SRT Wednesday, of course. And it's that time where we are sports entertainment at its best. I am your humble host, H.O. from Bankhead. Of course, if you heard the new intro, Bankhead is all the way through there. <laughs> and of course, I got the crew. Well, we're running a fig eight tonight. Yeah. We're <laughs> running a fig eight tonight and things of that nature. So, uh, of course, I got to introduce my guy. Jay Smooth is in the building. What up, Jay? What up, man? Glad to be back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Another Wednesday. Um, Another Wednesday. Wednesdays are turning out to be pretty good days. Absolutely. Yeah. Hump day. Hump day. Still traffic, things of yeah, that nature. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, all the time. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, USA didn't get get good good news this morning. <laughs> no, they did. <laughs> uh, definitely got to talk about that. Uh, shout out to everybody watching on Facebook Live. I see you, Marty. And uh, he was pumping that Brissette guy. Mar- Marty should be excited. Yeah, the Colts was- are gonna have a way better season than I expected. Yeah, even with the loss of luck, uh, Tennessee is, I mean, uh, the Texans has already taken the loss. Mm-hmm. So I think that was probably their biggest competition. Yeah. But it looked like Tennessee is off to First a place, man. good start. <laughs> so we'll see what's going on. We got a, a great show for you tonight. Uh, Hancock is on PTO. Hancock. Is uh, on PTO, so we go uh, send some prayers up for my main man Hancock as he continues to uh, adjust to some new things in his life. We'll just put it that way. Uh, if you want to join the show, please give us a call 404-603-8770 is the number to call. And make sure you do follow us on social media at SRT Radio. Uh, we got some hot news coming up. And my main man, D-Dub from the Falcon Hollow, will be calling in around 735. So we got to make sure you stay tuned with that because we got some questions to ask him. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, uh, a, lot of a whole bunch of questions to ask him. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for that. We also got uh, Slick Money Picks of the Week coming up around 747. And... Uh, 
got ballers and busters first half of the sec uh the first parts of the second half of the show ballers and busters in our table discussion tonight will involve around what do we learn um in the first week of the nfl so it's a, it's a lot to take from it as you all know so we definitely got to uh make sure we do that so um thanks for listening uh football is back the third week of college football is coming up and the second week of nfl is coming up so we definitely got to talk about that and some other news uh we got to talk about ab uh well actually we may talk about him first <laughs> so um we probably saved the ab conversation for other news so Gee, with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and jump into some hot news. Blazing. Hot, hot, hot. Scorching. Red hot. This is why I'm hot. It's the Sports Roundtable Hot News. Sports Roundtable Hot News sponsored by our good old friends. Big Easy Grill. 1193 Call You Road, Atlanta, Georgia. The best New Orleans seafood in town. Make sure you go over to the Big Easy Grill and ask and mention SRT Sports Roundtable. You will get a 10% discount on meals, $25 or more. Actually, speaking of Big Easy Grill, we will be over there this Saturday, Sports SRT Saturday, SRT Sports Saturday, from 1230 to 2.30. So please make sure you come out and join the fun. We'll be talking sports. And watching football at the same time while we eat our shrimps where it takes two bites to get rid of one. <laughs> Alright, Jay Smooth. Um we'll start off with some some college football in this this segment. And after Saturday night and Sunday morning, if you wake up Sunday morning, you hear, you look at Twitter, you look at all this social media, you hear how well LSU played and beat Texas on the road. And furthermore, you hear how they possibly could finally have a quarterback. Joe Burrow went off and had an amazing game. So my question is, are you drinking the LSU Kool-Aid at this particular point? Yeah, H.O., honestly, I am. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, whether it's red, grape, whatever it is. I'm taking all the Kool-Aid I can get. Really? So yeah, so we'll look at it this way. Um, and I first I want to start with Ed Ogeron, <laughs> and don't take this as a shot against Les Miles. Okay. So I think if you, if you are in position or in positions of leadership, a part of your job is delegating responsibility. Um, right. bringing in those where you may. To sort of to possibly cover up what weaknesses you might have. Right. So Edgeron, Ed Ogeron, we don't know him as a guy who's, you know, this great offensive mind. So what Ed wisely did during the offseason was went out and he picked up a guy named Joe Brady, who worked for the New Orleans Saints the last right. two years. Who has helped to, you know, sort of expand or develop or develop LSU's passing game. Um, and we saw that on display not only against Georgia Southern in week one, mm-hmm. but against Texas on Saturday night. And another thing to add to that, I think at this point we definitely have to insert Joe Burrow in the Heisman race. Okay. I was absolutely blown away by his performance on 
Saturday night. And, you know, I, I'm still hesitant in a sense because this was a Big 12 team in Texas. Um, <laughs> their defensive backfield, there's a lot left to be desired. I think they will continually get torched throughout the year. So, I mean, I, I think we have to look at things from that perspective. But Texas, they came in ranked number ninth. So, I mean, at least the AP voters, they respect them in some way. And LSU, they, Joe Burrow and his three receivers who all had, he had three three receivers caught over 100 yards, and each one of those guys had at least six receptions. Those three that I'm naming, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Terrence Marshall Jr., they all had amazing games. And I, we also have to give LSU's offensive line a lot of credit. Joe Burrow had time to sit back and pick Texas's defense apart. So I'm absolutely buying into the hype. Um, I think Joe Burrow has to be inserted into the, the Heisman race. I think Ed Ogeron, and I, I know, gee, I know it's early. It's too early after two games to, you know, anoint these people. But I think they at least have to be considered. Ed Ogeron in the, you know, the coach of the year race also. <laughs> G got his head down. Yeah, G. G said maybe more like Tane than Kool-Aid. Yeah. All right, this G. is you you drinking the, the, the Tampa Cove. <laughs> G, I'm I'm buying it. G, what's the thing? Well, you, I have, you, you I have a hard time buying it. Oh no, no. I can't. Like, I know that this isn't the Les Miles era. Uh I know these are all new players as far as you know, from what we've seen before, what LSU does, it's not Jordan Jefferson at quarterback. It's not Matt Mock or Matt Flynn or Zach Mettenberger. Um, it's not, it's none of those guys playing quarterback. Um, you know, and just because this guy went to Ohio State for a little bit, uh, that doesn't mean anything to me really either. Uh, if you look at the history of Ohio State quarterbacks. Right. So, um, I mean, it's a good win. Uh, Texas is not where they think they are. Right. Uh, but it, it's good for LSU to go on the road in a hostile environment and come out with a win. But as far as does this put them in the national championship picture, uh, that's hard to say. And we probably won't know for probably another month because their next three games are Northwestern State, Vanderbilt, and Utah State. Wow. And after that, they will go, uh, they they have uh, Florida at home. So that will be their next big test, okay. uh, or really their first official test, because I don't really believe in Texas either. But we, we just have to see. I mean, we've seen this kind of early success with LSU and with Ed Orgeron. So I, I got to see it to believe it. I guess that's the approach I'll take. Um, I'll pass on the Tampa Cove for now. Uh, so I uh, just have to wait and see until they are tested against, um, especially uh, these big con the conference games that they have. Because they have Florida, and after that, Mississippi State, then Auburn, then Alabama. That's a gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we'll we'll definitely see what kind of team they are when they play those games. So they got another, if people want to say it, they got another three weeks before they really have to think about it. Right. So yeah. they can ride this, ride this wave until for three weeks, pretty much. And you know, I'm, I'm gonna take 
one of Smooth's uh, perspectives. I'm going to do the wait and see. Uh, Jaws of Southern is nothing to write home about. Mm-hmm. Texas plays in the flag football uh, conference. Uh, so, I, you know, is it impressive? Yeah, because we've we've not seen it in a long time. Uh, we've not seen – I don't know when the last time we've seen an actual quarterback uh, for LSU do the things that Joe Burrow did this past weekend. So it's kind of hard to just off one division, one game, uh, say that LSU could could possibly be this or that. The wait and see approach is what I would take. Uh, I do give Ozeron credit for being a delegator, yeah. going out getting someone from a uh, a Sean Payton tree, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice uh, to do. Uh, but I think we need to kind of see what they do through this gauntlet. And more than anything, I think if LSU is playing this way, what happens when the tape starts to circulate of what LSU has been doing? So when that tape starts to circulate, then we'll see if LSU can make some more adjustments. Um, The next story. Go ahead. You want to add something? Yeah, one thing I, I will say after watching Joe Burrow, I saw that he was very poised on Saturday night. He made a lot of throws that I wasn't sure that he was actually capable of. Right. Um, he was very accurate in the pocket. And granted, he had a, a clean pocket the majority of the night. He completed 31 of 39 passes. And um, he found the open guys. He made the right decisions. He had he did have a pick. But I think overall he made the right decisions. Um, as you guys said, you know, we still have a – a lot more games to learn. I think we'll learn a lot more in October, but for now, I, I'm impressed. You impressed? What I've seen. Yeah. You're, you're a ride with him. Yeah. All right. So, let's move on to uh, next on the list is we probably have given this this coach so many different passes or this institution, and I'm going to throw another institution in there with it. And I'm going to ask you guys, who's in worse shape as far as what was expected and what we're actually seeing? And that is Michigan and Harbaugh and UCLA and Chip Kelly. Because those two institutions right now are having some issues getting things together. So, I want to ask you, Jay, UCLA, Michigan, who's in a worse situation as far as those two, especially with the coaches that they have? I think at this point, UCLA is in the worst situation. Reason being, a few years ago, well, even beyond that, when Chip Kelly broke on the scene at Oregon, um, he was an innovator in a sense. A lot of teams on the collegiate level or at any level were were not doing what he was doing um, in terms of you know his offensive philosophy, what they did strategically. But most of college football and you know even on the pro level, they've caught up with a lot of those those concepts. A lot of teams are using similar concepts, and you know they're having the the same success that Chip had mm-hmm. and originally at Oregon. So in that sense, I think UCLA 
not only that, they're in uh, what I perceive to be a lesser conference in the Pac-12. Um, out of the Pac-12, UCLA, they're probably in the bottom half of those teams or the, the better. I don't think they're in the better half of the teams in the Pac-12. And the Pac-12 out of the the Power Five, it, it might be the least respected conference of the Power Five. So I, in those two respects or, or thoughts, I would say that UCLA is in the worst situation. But on the other hand, the expectations in my mind are a lot higher at Michigan. You're bringing in an alumnus and Jim Harbaugh to coach you, and this is a guy who's had success on the pro level, a guy who even reached the Super Bowl and at one point at the San Francisco 49ers were the were one of the dominant teams in the NFL, during, at least during his tenure right. there in San Francisco. So they've definitely failed to meet expectations. I mean, they have. They're 2-0 and at this point. But it's the way that they look in those games. I mean, they've struggled against, you know, and they against my school, Middle Tennessee State. Right. They struggled and they struggled. With, they've been with twenty point favors in both games, right? Yeah, they okay. have. And they struggled against Army, who they only won by three. They only beat overtime Army by three in overtime. And you know, Army, you know, the military schools, they just lack athletes. So there's a certain caliber athlete. They Army shouldn't be able to play with the athletes that Michigan has at all, but they did. Right. So there's a problem at, at Michigan. I don't know exactly what it is. Um, I think Jim Harbaugh should definitely be on the hot seat. His seat is not as hot as a guy that I that I really want to name. Um, you probably know who I'm talking about. But um, Jim Harbaugh's seat is really hot. If they wanted mediocre, they could have stuck with Brady Hoke or, or someone else of, of his caliber. Right. All right, G, uh, who's in the worst situation, UCLA and Chip Kelly or Michigan? And Jim Harbaugh. Uh, it's kind of equal, but for different reasons. Okay. Um, like Jay said, football caught up to Chip Kelly. Like everyone caught up to what he was doing, and he really hasn't made any adjustments. Uh, he was an innovator just five years ago. <laughs> but um, any great coach will uh, will make adjustments or, or, or you know try new things. In a way, the people might not really get this because of the success this coach has had recently, but he's the Mike D'Antoni of football to where he's going to do the same thing every single time, uh, but Chip Kelly does not have the personnel to do that, really. So who they kept people catch up to him. Um, uh, with Jim Harbaugh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's a, a tight situation because this is the guy who they – they pretty much got Brady Hoke out of the way to get him. Uh, he's an alum. Uh, he's probably the, even though people don't want to say it, he may be the best quarterback in the history of the school. What about Tom Brady? Tom Brady couldn't, they kept, they kept benching Tom Brady. So it's hard to say that um, that it's him, but I think Harbaugh is the best quarterback in the history of the school. Um, and he he was supposed to bring the, the, the luster back but he hasn't gotten, and we've probably said talked about this last year and the year before. He never really had the players that he needs to to make this successful. Maybe recruiting people to Michigan is harder than it should be. Yeah, maybe uh, kids don't want to play in cold weather, or, right. or they don't like the Big Ten because it's not competitive enough. I, I don't know what it is, but. Uh, 
it's a tough situation for for Michigan because they did so much to bring him in. But I think if they want, if they're trying to contend for another national championship, and you want to fire Jim Harbaugh, it's got to be to get somebody better. You're not going to get Urban Meyer. You're not going to get uh, Nick Saban. You know, so I'm not saying Harbaugh's the third best coach, but they if you you if you're going to fire him, you got to get that caliber of coach. I don't see that happening. Yeah, um, I would just say this. I would say equally they are as bad because of the expectations. But I think Michigan probably had more of an expectation because of it seems that whoever wins that conference gets into the four. And when you lose Urban Meyer from Ohio State and they have a brand new coach, a fresh new quarterback, and you coming back with the same quarterback, eight starters on offense, seven starters on defense, then this is your grand opportunity to take take control of that conference. Penn State is not as good as they were. Ohio State was, their reputation probably had them ranked high uh, because, and they also had a lot of talent. No one knew what uh, the new coach Day was going to do or how he was going to be. So I think in that case, this was a prime opportunity for Harbaugh in Michigan to take control of that conference. Yep. You know, I can't say the same for UCLA because, you know, Washington and Oregon, I mean, no one has really dominated that conference in the Pac-12. Nope. So you're really not expecting to even go to the four if you want to look at it in a realistic sense. No one kind of expected this. Uh, no, a Pac-12 Pac team to come out of there and dominate. But uh, with all the praise that Chip Kelly was getting coming back to UCLA, thinking that he could recruit on the West Coast as he did when he was at Oregon, um, maybe it's another year we need to wait to see, you know, what, what kind of kids he, he get in and if he can make this UCLA team a viable spot We'll see. But I think Harbaugh, and just like we said, G. Last year, I think we talked about this. Harbaugh still has pressure because he was pegged to come in to do one thing, and that's beat Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And beating Ohio State would probably capture the Big Ten title. Yeah. And he has not done that. Uh, in other news, speaking of college, uh, G's favorite AD has – it looks like he has resigned. Am I correct? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Lynn Swan has resigned as AD wow. uh, at USC. So, G, I got to ask you, and, and you know, what happens now? Because we all knew that they would had to bring in somebody with some USC ties. Is that still the case at USC? Until further notice, yes. <laughs> You know how you know how this is going to go, um, and all the USC alum are going to apply. Uh, Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush, right? OJ, uh, OJ might even apply, <laughs> right? Right. Marcus Allen should apply. Like it's going to be a USC person to be the AD. I mean, it maybe not necessarily football. It could be basketball. So 
Uh, Nick Young, he's not playing for a team right now. <laughs> he could apply to be the AD at USC. Yeah. So uh, it, it's always been that way to where it's always like in-house and it's and they don't look outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that we talked about that three years ago yeah. <laughs> when um, uh, when they brought when they I think they uh, Clayton Helton was promoted to the head coach. He was the right. interim and brought him to the head coach. It was like. They're not looking outside the box, and they're in the situation that they're in now. But, you know, uh, shout out to Iron, who uh, he's a USC fan. Uh, he thinks that because, the you know, with the president of the school coming from uh, North Carolina, I believe, um, that she will, if she's going to hire the AD, it's going to be the best person for the job, not, not the best person who's in USC alum. Okay, we'll see. Waiting to see on it. All right, Jay Smooth. Uh, the AB News of the day. Uh, he's been accused of rape. The newly signed wide receiver for the New England Patriots now uh, is being accused of rape. And I just kind of want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, how do you see this? Are we calling BS on this or are we saying that, you know, uh, better watch what you pray for the thing that sticks with me is always the the timing of these reports and the incidents um and the the timing of the the incidents also and i i'll say this i i'll preface my comments by saying this these are in the current politically correct um climate that we live in the the entire me too movement I have to be, you know, sort of careful with my comments. I don't want to offend anyone. But, and I'll just pose or frame my conversation this way. These are all questions that I'm asking. When these things happen initially, why aren't these incidents reported to the police? That's that's always my biggest question when reports like these come out. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that the young woman, I'm not saying that she's wrong or anything. I just always question the timing. And I, we were having a conversation outside the studio, and I posed this question to a to a, a lady. Um, if someone steals money from you, there's a good chance that you're going to report that incident immediately. And I think, how could I say it, with the same level of... Um, Women should treat their their virtuosity in a sense with the same respect or value that <laughs> that money is treated. And I, I, you know, I'm not making light of the situation, but if somebody steals your money, you're going to report it immediately. And I would think, if you're raped or of something of significant value, which I think that is, if that's taken from you, you're going you should report those incidents immediately. Because not only are you harmed physically, but you're you're harmed emotionally and mentally also. So, you know, I don't understand the, the timing of these incidents. Um, and for on Antonio Brown's end, I think this adds to the, you know, the pile of, of bad news that we've received or that's come out about him this offseason. Um, it's been one thing after the other. Um, right. He's continually taking hits. I think luckily he's in a – a great situation with the New England Patriots. Um, I think they handle controversy better than any other organization. Um, just take their owner, for example. He was in a 
situation a few months back in, in Florida. And um, have we heard anything about that recently? Not really. So um, I don't expect this to go away, but I just – the timing, it, it always um, – I'm a bit skeptical when, when faint reports like this surface. G, real quick, your thoughts on A.B. and the this accused rape incident. Uh, when I first thought, like, man, if it's not one thing, it's another. And it, this is like the fifth different story about AB in the last couple weeks. Yeah. Um, I do agree that the, the timing is interesting. Uh, did the NFL already know about this? Did uh, I mean, but this happened back in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, so the I do agree that the timing is interesting on it. Um, but we know how the NFL is as far as like they may ha- have had this information and okay, we're not going to, you know, have any press release on this. We're not going to divulge this information um, until we want to. So the timing on this is different. Is it a conspiracy to stick it to the Patriots, you know, to make the Raiders feel better, you know, uh, and the Steelers uh, is this. Okay, AB, you've been you've been in the news for too much, and you pretty much gotten away with what you've done. So we have to get you for something. Um, that all remains to be seen, but uh, I do agree that the, the timing is interesting on this, uh, to where this is stuff that happened three years ago at least. Yeah. What? Why? Why are we just finding about this? now why are we just hearing about this now right um you and and i think ab is all is also going to counter sue for extortion oh so does he have a case it's it's he say he say she say i mean well it this will all play itself out but we're probably good just like with bob Kraft, we're going to forget about all of that in a couple months Yeah. yeah yeah real quick usa goes down to france (laughs) <laughs> by 10, uh, snapping a 58-game win streak. Um, this is the FIBA tournament, and I think they still qualify for the Olympics. Yeah, they were already in. They were already in. So are we making a big deal out of this, G, or this is uh, – just your thoughts on that. I, you know, because some people are kind of like, yeah, okay, cool, I, you know. And, and saying, well, we didn't have our best players. Uh, I mean, France had Fortenay and Nick uh, Frank. Batum and Frank. And oh, Rudy. Rudy. I mean, are, are we making it – is the loss that bad or is this basketball? It's bad uh, because the, the, player, the better players did not play. Like, they didn't take the tournament seriously. So now you have to the, – the the roster just kept being whittled down and whittled down to basically you have a team with uh, one guy who's made the all-star team more than once and two other guys who've only made it once. Um, but the players – and we've said this before, the, the NBA players would take the Olympics more seriously mm-hmm. than the FIBA World Cup. And the FIBA World Cup is trying to be like soccer to where the World Cup is more serious than the Olympics. And it's it's just not going to be that way. Like the, the NBA with basketball, people see them play 
in the Olympics. That's what's more important. Like, we haven't even anybody watch any of the of these games, nope. any of their games. Nope. But when the Olympics come around, people will be watching that, and that's where the star NBA players will want to come in. They'll want to play in the Olympics more than this. And uh, but with uh, but just in the United States, with other countries, they had their players, the guys who did the NBA. They're like, I want to represent my country right. whenever I can. Right. But within the, in the United States, it's just not like that. Yeah. Jay, your thoughts on it, real quick. Yeah, in America, we're we're definitely capitalists. I agree with G. Um, the Olympics. Another reason that I think they get do get the greatest front, a greater turnout rather. It's like G said, it's the incentive. The Olympics provide opportunities for players to market themselves on a worldwide stage. At this point in its existence, the World Cup doesn't do that. Um, I think there has to be greater incentive for American NBA players to play. And I mean, it's kind of one of those things with NBA players. We've been there. We've done that. American NBA players, that is. So right. it, it has very little meaning. American NBA players and I honestly I get it I mean I don't for a lot of these guys you play 82 games and then you if you're lucky enough to make the playoffs you play an additional you know six to possibly 12 weeks who knows so you know I I get it I get that players they don't want to spend their offseason in some foreign country even if, if it is China um you know playing basketball for with very t- or for with nothing on the line, with nothing at, at stake. Right. So um, that's how I see it. It's it's not a big deal. It, for me, it kind of is what it is. Gotcha. All right, man, that's going to wrap up our uh, hot news. And when we get back, uh, the Falcons' first week wasn't so good. And when we get back, we'll have him on the phone, Mr. DW calling in with the Falcon report. Uh, we got questions. We hope he has answers. So when we get back, <laughs> hopefully you'll hear some answers because we got questions. Uh-oh. Hey, keep it locked. The Falcoholic coming up. The Falcons Report. You listen to Sports Roundtable with the SRT crew on the Real 1100 and com. We'll be back with more Sports Roundtable on the Real Real 1100 AM. Are you looking for a new, pre-owned, or used car to get you around the city or simply from point A to point B? Look no further. Jay's Used Cars is the place to be. Jay believes your job is your credit, and no matter what your situation is, Jay will get you in a car. Visit Jay's at 3820 Lawrenceville Highway in Tucker and mention Sports Roundtable, get a 10% discount. Go to jaysusedcars.com to check out the inventory. Jay's Used Cars, where they stack them deep and sell them cheap. Sports, Sports Roundtable. Round the truth that I feel like it, it's something that's been going on for years and years, and this is with NFL GMs. The traditional pocket passer is dead, just like current R&B. Only on WWWE, the real 1100 AM. 
We're back at you. I'm H.O. That's Jay Smooth. And on the phone, we have one of our guys of thefalcoholic.com and the host of the Falcoholic Podcast. We got some questions. We hope you got answers. On the phone with us, as always, from the Falcoholic. You can reach him on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Mr. David Walker, D-Dub. What's going on, sir? How's it going, guys? Yes, you don't sound as you have risen up this week. <laughs> <laughs> I've drinking up, but I, I think that's part of the problem. Hey, yeah, I think uh, you and most of Atlanta will probably fit in that same category. So <laughs> the the very first question I had was from a a listener, and I, I told her that I will – Asked you the question as she posed it to me. What the hell happened in week one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's almost easier to talk about the things that went right than the things that went wrong. Um, you know, it, 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 it was across the board. The offensive line got manhandled. Um, Matt Ryan, you know, had a bad day, made some bad decisions on the field. Uh, you the defense, you know, there were some some bright spots, but for the most part, uh, they seemed unable to stop the run. I mean, when when the Vikings are able to pass the ball just ten times and still put up twenty eight points, you have had a very very bad day. Uh, you had failures on special teams. I mean, it really was a collapse on all three levels. You had uh, key players who normally play really well having a bad game. And when that happens, it just sort of uh, cascades down the entire roster. Yeah, I must say that all three levels did not look good. The first play of the season was a sack. (laughs) That is an omen of a bad day. So with that being said, I want to ask you, how much of this is Dan, uh, Dan Quinn or the players not being prepared? I, I think they have to share the blame. You know, okay. some of this is definitely the players. You know, you look at Jake Matthews. You mentioned that first play. Well, uh, everyone was talking about the new starters on the offensive line. You know, James Carpenter at left guard, Chris Lindstrom, the rookie at right guard, you know, Caleb McGarry, another rookie at right tackle. And the first play of the game, your Pro Bowl left tackle is the one who gives up the sack. Right. Um, so some of that just flat out falls onto the players. You know, uh, when you see stuff like that, Matt Ryan throwing into um, double, triple coverage in the middle of the field, uh, you know, that falls on the players. But at the same time, you know, there seemed to be a lack of preparedness. There seemed to be, uh, you know, a poor game plan going in. And that falls on the coaches. So I, I think you can split it 50-50. Uh, I don't. I don't want to go any further than that, but yeah, right. there, there's plenty of blame to go around. Gotcha. Uh, so moving forward, after watching that game, what do you think our biggest concern is? Um, I don't want to over um, exaggerate the meaningfulness of that first game because if there's one thing we've seen with the Falcons over the past four or five years, their first game tends to be like an outlier. Even in 2016, the Super Bowl season. Their first game against the Buccaneers was absolutely dreadful. Um, And, you know, maybe not quite like this, but it was a pretty bad game. And, of course, they ended up going on uh, a much better run for the remainder of the season. Uh, Same thing happened in 2017 where we started, you know, really terribly against 
uh, the Eagles and ended up finishing and going to the, the playoffs. So uh, I think they just – it's a lot of the little things that they've got to clean up. Uh, in the, on the defense, they've got to set the edge better. You know, we were getting killed on the outside runs. Um, on the offensive line, they just have to protect better. And uh, it's, it's not that guys were getting blown up. They were just missing assignments, uh, which I think uh, will get better as these guys get more playing time together. All right, on the phone we have uh, of the Falcoholic, DW, David Walker. He is the host of the Falcoholic podcast. You can catch that podcast on all podcast platforms. All right, so anything positive to take from this game? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, One or two things. Uh, It was good to see some of our injured guys back out there. You know, Deion Jones, Kevin Neal, Ricardo Allen. Um, It was good to see them playing. You know, Grady Jarrett obviously uh, is still a dominant force uh, on the inside. Um, The one thing I will say is the Falcons' two touchdown drives in the second half came out of the no-huddle offense. And we thought that this would be something that we would see more of uh, with Dirk Cutter coming back. And sure enough, in the second half, they turned to it more. It did lead to two touchdown drives. I think they will lean on it more and more as the season progresses, as the uh, other players on offense you know, get acclimated to it, get used to it. Um, so I'm actually encouraged by that. When Ryan calls the offense on the field, I feel much more comfortable about uh, their success under this coordinator. So uh, if there's one big takeaway, it's that, and I'm, I'm glad to see that they're running it more now with, with Dirk Cutter back. Gotcha. All right, so this Sunday night we're going up against another great defensive front four. Uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, what is it that the offensive line need to do, or what are we expecting the offensive line to do this Sunday night at home? Uh, number one, they should pray. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, uh, I will say I, I, I don't think we'll see a repeat performance uh, because the Eagles' front four is very good. Um but I don't think they're quite on the same level as what the Vikings have. Okay. The Vikings have a tremendous amount of depth, too. And that's one of the things that really, you know, they, they have a rotation that can get in there and just beat up on you for all four quarters. Um, Philadelphia, you know, their, uh, their front four is very good. You know, Graham, Cox, uh, Barnett, you know, some guys can get after a quarterback. But I think the weakness they have is in their secondary and with their linebackers. Uh, and that's where I think the Falcons can see more success than they did against uh, the Vikings. The Vikings had pro bowlers across their entire defense. Right. I don't think you can say that about the secondary of Philadelphia. I would expect to see the Falcons have more success in the passing game because uh, this, these corners do not match up as well to Atlanta's wide receivers as the Vikings did. Gotcha. Another, uh, another question from one of our listeners. How hot is the seat for Dan Quinn right now? Well, he certainly didn't cool things down after last <laughs> week. Um, I tell you what, he he's, he probably needs to bring a couple buckets of ice to sit on if this keeps up. Um, he, it's. I don't want to say that it's hot because it's still really early in the season, but I will say that if we see repeat performances of what we saw in Minnesota, it will get hot very quickly. Um, you know, Arthur Blank made it very clear right after Julio Jones got his mega deal. Arthur Blank made it clear that. I have given you the guys. I have paid them big money. It is time to deliver championships. He didn't say championship. He said it with an S. He wants multiple Lombardis. So, yeah, I think any coach would hear that and and understand that they are on a short leash. 
Gotcha. All right. So this is the time. Sunday night. Primetime TV. Dan Quinn with two buckets of water and the Falcons. <laughs> How do you see this going? What is your prediction? And uh, I want to see if you can help Arthur Blank out. I, I think Falcons fans will be pleased with what they see Sunday. Uh, number one, Matt Ryan has a very strong history of bouncing back from poor games. He usually follows up a really poor game with a, a very good game. Uh, he's been remarkably consistent uh, about that. 10-plus years in the league. Uh, and I think that these corners, they're just not going to match up as well as the Vikings. The Vikings have much better players in their secondary, and I think the Falcons are a beast in the passing game. Um, so I, I do think it's going to be a shootout because, you know, Carson Wentz, um, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey on their side, I think they're going to put some points on I'm expecting a high-scoring affair. I think the Falcons edge it out, like 35-32, pretty close, but a, a good high shooting game. Gotcha. 35-32. You heard it from my man, DW. All right. Before we let you go, let everybody know, as I had already stated, where they can find you on Twitter, social media, and where they can find the Falcoholic Podcast. Yes. When I'm sober, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Uh, you can find my articles at thefalcoholic.com. And, of course, the Falcoholic Podcast and the Postgame Podcast this year uh, on any platform, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, that you can find great podcasts. Awesome, D-Dub. Listen, once again, we appreciate it, man. And let's hope Sunday night we can we can say this for sure. Rise up. Thanks again, D-Dub. Rise up. Yes, thanks, guys. All right, no problem. There it is. D-Dub predicts Falcons win 35-32. Uh, we got to go to quick, quick break. And when we get back, you already know. Uh, wonder if some people can take those picks because DW predicted the Falcons to win. So we'll say, see what our main man, Slick Money, and the Rain Man say. When we get back, we got Rain Man picks of the week. You listen to Sports Roundtable with the SRT crew on the Real 1100, SRTRadio.com. We'll be back with more Sports Roundtable on the Real Real 1100 AM. What's up? This your man, D-Will the Coach, here on behalf of Real Talk Tees. Real Talk Tees is for the players, geniuses, and bosses. For those who hustle, for the fresh, and for the iconic. Real Talk Tees is urban, affordable, vintage t-shirts to help you express yourself. So visit realtalktees.bigcartel.com to order yours today. So how about this? You got a specific mood in mind? Custom orders are available also to help you and yours stand out. So visit realtalktees.bitcartel.com where what's real lasts forever. Sports Roundtable. Hey, I'm having a lot of money on you, man. Well, uh, you, uh, you getting ready to be a rich you see, cause, uh, cause, uh, come, uh, next, next week, I, uh, I, I'm knocking somebody the f- 
Out. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying. I understand now. <laughs> it took a while, but I got it. Only on WWWE, the real 1100 AM. Well, uh, you people enjoy your meals. Come on, babies. Are you ready for some football? Are you ready to win some fruit cups? Those who are tardy do not get fruit cups. We'll get ready because it's time for the Rain Man's Picks of the Week. We're back. SRT Sports Talk Radio. I'm H.O. That's Jay Smooth. Hancock is out tonight, but we got our guy on the phone who went two and two last week. So we're even for the season. But this week, I'm pretty sure he's going to make some things up for you. So, since uh, sports betting is legal now, we can all call it winning some moolah. Our friend is on the phone, Mr. Rain Man. Slick Money, what's going on, bro? What's up, fellas? What's happening? Hey, that's second. Everything good? Yes, sir. Everything's good. What's up, nephew? What up? Sound like you're in the tunnel, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. Turnpike. Turnpike. <laughs> All right, Slick, you went uh, two and two last week. Not bad, not bad. We we didn't lose any money, but we didn't win any money either. So so we even for for this year, and uh, I think it was it was some good games that came down. How did you even like the first week of college football? Uh, that was the second week of college football. Second week, I'm sorry. First week in the bell. Uh, it, it, you can tell that sometimes the preseason is really needed because everybody looked at kind of rusty the first half, then teams started picking up the second half. So, I, you know, I, I kind of don't like the preseason, but it looked like we kind of needed because they showed a lot of teams was rusty. Yep, I agree. So let's go ahead and start off uh, with your blowout of the week. Your blowout of the week. What do you got? Okay, I'm going to the NFL. Uh, blowout and uh, they got a couple of injuries, but I don't think it's going to matter. I like Kansas City Chiefs minus seven and a half at Oakland. Oakland was celebrating with the fans. Their coaches was hugging everybody after the game. It looked like they won the Super Bowl, but I think reality, they come back to reality this week, and I think Kansas City kind of pours it on the Raiders. Okay, in a blowout. All right, what about your lock of the week? Everybody can put their money on everything because. This is the game that's going to win some money. What do you got? I got the, uh, Oklahoma State, man. They're they, they going to Tulsa. They're giving up 14 to Tulsa. I truly believe Oklahoma State is going to be a, a, an awesome team this year. Uh, I think they're going to pour it on Tulsa. So take Oklahoma State minus the 14 against the Tulsa uh, Golden Hill teams. Now, Oklahoma State, uh, Hubbard was my uh, – Ball of the week last week, so they they got a running back that's pretty decent. So uh, I like actually like that pick. What about your upset pick of the week? Upset pick of the week, uh, Ho. I'm, I'm going down to the NFL, and it's a revenge game. You know what happened between New Orleans and the Rams last year? And in New Orleans, everybody Monday night had on referees jerseys. I think New Orleans fights back this this game with the Rams, and even though the 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 Saints gonna play a little bit down outside of the dome, but I kind of like this revenge game. I truly believe New Orleans covers the spread and pulls the upset. So New Orleans three and three against the Rams. 
So New Orleans plus three versus the Rams. All right, your famous bonus pick of the week. This is the pick that no one is paying attention to, but it just so happens you know what it is. So give it to us. The bonus pick of the week. My bonus is going to be college, and it's under the Friday night lights. It's like a high school game. You know, that's the Friday night light things, but it's actually college. So I'm taking the Houston Cougars at home, plus nine versus Washington State. Oh, I like that. Friday night, ESPN, plus nine. All right, cool. All right, let me go ahead and and recap this for you real quick. Uh, Your blowout pick of the week is Kansas City, minus seven and a half versus Oakland. Um, The lock of the week is uh, Oklahoma State, minus 14 versus Tulsa. The upset pick is New Orleans, plus three versus the Rams. And your bonus pick will be the Houston Cougars. He he got a good quarterback. Plus nine versus Washington State. We in now. All right, cool. All right, so before we let you go, let everybody know where they can find you on social media and where they can find your picks at. Uh, You can find my picks on IG at Victor Hill number four, all lowercase number four. And on Facebook, I'm Vic, V-I-C, and on Twitter, it's ATL Slick Money. There it is, my guy. Any shout-outs before you get off? Oh, shout-out to the greatest radio <laughs> show, SRT, Nephew, Superhero, HMO, and the man behind the voice, Mr. Greg. You guys are doing a wonderful job, man. Proud of you guys to just keep up the hard work. And let's go fight you, MS MTSU. There it is, my guy. <laughs> my guy, we're going to be at the Big Easy Saturday, man, so make sure you come out and join us so we can talk it up, man, and and, and, and exchange some of these picks. Okay, man, you and Jay should make a bet on that because Duke is playing MTSU. I know, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I know, but, I, yeah, Coach K ain't coaching. I can't do Duke. Yeah, <laughs> just do basketball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, okay, Slick, man. Thank you, guys, man. Thank you so much. All right, no problem. We thank you. There it is, Slick Money, the Rain Man. The Rain. I wonder if Josh Donaldson took the Rain. I wonder if he should, Slick should get an umbrella like Donaldson since he's bringing the Rain. Yeah, yeah. Josh Donaldson called me. Uh, I forgot to tell you <laughs> a couple weeks ago. He said, "Yeah, I heard, heard you made H and three talking trash early in the season." Yeah, but I mean, he he's done well. I. I'm surprised. Also, we didn't. Expect I mean, let, let's be honest. No, no one expected this. Nobody. He had he had been hurt. Yeah. Uh, the last good season he had was 2016, mm-hmm. and he he's a he's a different kind of guy. Yeah. As well. So, I mean, you know, and I think he has put himself probably behind Rendon and uh, what's the guy at Colorado G. Uh, third baseman, Arenado. Arenado. Yeah. I behind them two, he might be the third best third baseman in the league. Yeah, yeah, he's you know? done well. Yeah, so I mean, man, uh, I think that they may try to put an offer out. I don't know what that does for Austin Riley and his future with the Braves, mm-hmm. but I think Double uh, A has has put himself in a position, G, correct me if I'm wrong, does Double A 
win executive of the year this year? I I think so. I mean, you have to. He's going to get serious consideration at least. I mean, let's let's talk about this, right? The first two when they they the start of the season, you didn't the Braves didn't even have a rotation. They started Bryce Wilson in, in Philly. They started another rookie, Kobe Allen, who's now been traded. And come to this part of the season, they have a solid five. They could possibly be a top five rotation in the league right now. And for everyone that has come up, like an Austin Riley, Adam Duvall, they have delivered, you know, while injuries has happened. So, and then while the trade deadline came and the the three guys that they picked up, for the first couple of weeks, it looked really, really suspect. But it has turned into something to be desired now uh, or something to be proud of because now they sit nine and a half games in front and the bullpen has has settled in and, and did quite well, or doing quite well at this particular point. Yeah. Your man Jackson still on the team? Unfortunately. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, he almost gave up the game the other night too. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't I don't understand. Uh, Luke Jackson. Um, <laughs> why do they continue to even deal with that? Wow. But I tell you what, when we come back, we got some uh, ballers and busters, and we'll get to the second half of the show. And the intern did his, his little research, so uh, can't make light of that because he got some uh, top five coaches in college that we may have a debate. So keep it locked. We're going to the second half of the show. You listen to Sports Roundtable with the SRT crew on the real 1100srtradio.com. Keep those ears locked to Sports Roundtable on the real 1100 AM. You are tuned into WWE Peakville. AM 1100. The opinions expressed during the sponsored programs on this station are strictly those of the program hosts, guests, and callers and are not necessarily those of Beasley Broadcast Group, this station, its staff, other advertisers, or agencies. Listen up, sports fans and TV watchers. SRT and Vibe TV have joined forces to bring you the best TV watching experience ever. When you subscribe to the Vibe TV app, you're going to get over 340 U.S. TV stations, including HBO, Stars, AMC, ESPN, Hallmark, Foreign Channel, Music Channels, and all of your local major city networks. Best of all, sports fans, Vibe TV is keeping you up to date with all the scores and more from tennis, golf, soccer, rugby, UFC, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, and more. And last but not least, live pay-per-view events at no extra cost. Never miss another game or match ever. If you want it, we got it. One app, one price, $15 a month, and never pay for extra add-ons. And here's a bonus for all these Sports Roundtable tenants. Visit VibeTVapp.com and use the promo code SRT for a 20% discount on all Vibe TV packages. So come on and subscribe to Vibe TV and stay connected to Sports Roundtable because they know sports. Sports Roundtable. 
Yo, some guy just gave me $50, man. Don't worry. You'll get about five or 600 once you start, depending on how you plan. But I thought we're not supposed to take any money. Ain't that a violation? You cannot live on no $500 a month scholarship money. And the NCAA holes won't let us have jobs. So you take your money where you can get it. As a matter of fact, we hold this for you till you see light. <laughs> Ought to be paying us anyway. Athletic Department gets three million just for going to a bowl game. Only on WWWE, the real 1100 AM. <laughs> Time it is. You, I don't even gotta say it. Y'all already know. Yeah, we in the A. SRT to click. Keep it super lit. Yeah, the check. Need a place a bet. Hancock with the pick. Woo. We don't play every Wednesday. You gotta turn up. Turn Keep up. it real. 1100 AM. They tune to us. Yeah, super slick when I spin move. I just touch down like I'm J Smooth. And it's HO from Bankhead. So we don't tie. We gotta go. Big money like G money. Coach calling the play, we gotta fall in. SRT be the crew, you know we ballin'. Ball Sports round table, the only option. Uh. Bang, hey, so what I do? Woo. Turn up every Wednesday with the SRT crew. Uh. Yeah, yeah, so what I do? Woo. Turn up every Wednesday with the SRT crew. Uh. What up, what up, what up? We're back, and we hoping you'll turn it up. Every Wednesday with, with the SRT crew. I'm H.O. That's Jay Smooth. G Money Behind the Glass. And G, we forgot to do our ceremony. Yo, at the beginning of the first half. So, we, let's start it off this way on the second half of the show. What up, G? Yo. There it is. So, uh, we're a little off t- kilter here. But we back in the groove of things. And I want to start this uh, second half of the show. Got to give a shout out to my main man, Jackson. And uh, I think I came up with a nickname. Action Jackson. Action Jackson. Yeah, that that, that need to be a new Twitter. So we might need to change his Twitter account. New, new handle, Action Jackson. So. Uh, He's got to spell it like uh, like Killer Mike does. Uh, A-K-S-H-O-N. There you go. Action. There it is. <laughs> So his research this week was top five college football coaches. Very, very interesting. And when you think about it, you know, a lot of people, maybe it's they, they judge coaches different ways, championships, maybe the longevity at a school, uh, the ex, over uh, overachieving could be another way that you judge. But I'm going to run down this top five real quick and let's see if we agree, not agree, or do we we leave somebody off. All right, of course, number one, he has Nick Saban. Five national championships. And, I mean, how can we debate that? Pretty much what he's saying in, in this report. Number two, he has Dabo Sweeney. 11 years at Clemson. Posted uh, 118 and 30 records since he's been there with two national championships. Number three, and there's only one sentence for this guy. Everybody else had a bunch of uh, literature to it. But Kirby Smart, 
for number three. Uh, the most uh, novice coach on this list, and he has only been the head coach uh, for three years, going on his fourth year, and the Bulldogs seemingly is in the top five every year in the national championship game uh, one year. He's posted a 34-10 record with uh, five of the losses coming to Nick Saban in Alabama. Wow. Five of those ten? Wow. <laughs> Great research. Um, now, this one shocked me. I'm going to be honest. Um, number four, Gus Malzahn. This one kind of shocked me, but you can't knock, you know, the the what he's put uh, what he's put up. So as a head coach at Auburn, he's uh, carried them to a fifty-two and twenty-seven record, six bowl appearances, which he's been two and four in bowl games. Um, national championship, Cam Newton. Uh, well, he he wasn't. He was the OC. He was the OC. So, I, does it? I mean, it's on his resume, but not as a head coach. So, I mean, I you know, this yeah, is you know. They made it against Florida State, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, he's number four. Number five, he has Urban Meyer, who's actually working for Fox right now. Uh, Urban Meyer, eighty-three and nine at Ohio State. In five seasons, uh, in his lowest ranking, well, they won the next championship in 2014. So, Urban Meyer is number five out of the on this list. And then he has a dark horse, which is we probably ain't paying attention to. So, the dark horse is no other than Lincoln Riley, the head coach of Oklahoma. Which now he's been getting over the last three years a lot of, or going into his third year, a lot of accolades for quarterback. What they call not the guru, but the, the whisper. Whisper, yeah, the quarterback whisper uh, for uh, what he's done with Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, now Jalen Hurts. So, with that being said, Jay Smooth, do you like the list? Would you? Move up, down, or how, how would you? Oh, are we missing anyone? Yeah, I love that list. Um, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that I that immediately sticks out that I would add. Um, I think it, you know, especially those top four, the ones that are currently active. I, you know, he got those right in shoot. Um, Urban Meyer, if he's interested in Tennessee job. <laughs> it's available, but so you know, he could be coaching soon. But he's out in California. And yeah. we all know why. Yeah. Yep. U- USC. You already know. But yeah, I, I love Jackson's list. Um, I, I think he got it right. So I don't I don't have anything to include or add. G. Um, I, I do like the list. I, I wouldn't count Urban because he doesn't have a job, but I get it. Right, right, <laughs> you right. got to include him in, in the conversation. Um. Another coach that I would consider adding just because like there has been success, but there just hasn't been enough talent to get over the hump when they need to is uh, James Franklin, okay. Penn State. Right. Um, 
he's got the school excited again. Uh, <laughs> he's been getting players. Uh, it's just uh, they keep running into Ohio State, <laughs> and um, you know it's kind of like how it is with Kirby Smart and versus Alabama. So, uh, I'm, but I still think he's a he's a he's up there. He would be a top ten coach if we if we went that far at least. Right. Um, anybody thinking Lincoln Riley should move up within the top five? I think he at this point he has to at least make the national championship game. Um, to for me his value comes comes in this way he has a knack for developing talent um it's you know you guys pointed it out the last two Heisman winners have come from Oklahoma so I I think that's where his that's where his value comes from at this point his ability to develop talent I got you yeah you know I think I would I don't know if I don't know if Gus to me I don't know if I would use Gus before Lincoln Riley just to me, um, there have been some. The last two seasons, there have been people calling for a buyout. Yeah. For for Gus, and I think that was was a year ago, G or two years ago, where if they ran the table, they could have been in a national championship. Uh, Auburn, because they were. Oh, with the two losses. Yeah, with the two losses. Oh, yeah, because they they played Georgia and Alabama. Back to back, back weeks, to back, right? Mm-hmm. And then they had, and then they had to play Georgia again, again right? Because they beat Georgia yeah. to get up, but then they needed to play. And so then they, yeah, then they beat Alabama, Alabama the next week, exactly. Yeah. So, and that didn't fare too well, yeah. <laughs> you know. One more name to add out there is should be at least maybe Jimbo Fisher. I, I think going to Texas A and M may have been a mistake. I don't. I don't think there wasn't a better job than Florida State. I think you, you know, it was more of a lateral move in my mind. I think we talked about that right. a couple weeks ago. I, because I mean, this is a guy who did win a national championship at Florida State, so right. I, I think he does. He deserves yeah. to be in the conversation. Yeah. Honorable mention, yeah, yeah. he, he could have been in the, the top five. I agree. Yeah. All right, so Action Jackson, appreciate it. Great job as always doing this thing. I, I, I see you. We see you, and I hope everyone else sees you as well. All right, now it's time to get to our one of our favorite segments. You already know what it is. We call it Ballers and Busters. Other radio shows may have their Players of the Week, but at the Sports Roundtable, we have our Ballers Ballin'. and our Busters. This man was a bona fide scrub. This week, our Ballers and Busters. It is that time to get to it. This is where we pick... Players or team, college or pro, who balled out or who was a buster, as we like to call it, the Nathan Peterman Award. So this week, my baller goes out to Rondale Moore, wide receiver, Purdue. 13 receptions, 220 yards. One touchdown and a spectacular 70-yard reception. Uh, this kid is on the 5'9". Wow. And he can get it. Go. He can go. Wow. And uh, this is the second week that he's dazzled. So this may not be the last time that 
you guys hear his name. So my ball of the week, Rundell Moore, wide receiver, two baller makers. My ball of the week goes to Rondell's quarterback, um, <laughs> Elijah Sindelar. You know, they both in Purdue, obviously. They right. scored a huge win. I don't see how great it is, but he built over the weekend, 42-24. Um, Elijah Sindelar, he led them with 509 passing yards, five touchdowns. He had a pick, but um, 500 yards, that's pretty exceptional. Right. So he led the all of in, the NAA for the week, so. You know, that's my ball over the week. Elijah Sindelar, quarterback, Purdue State. I mean, Purdue. Right. And did it against the ACC team. Yeah. Regardless of how bad you think Vanderbilt is, yeah. they're still in the ACC. Yeah. All right, G, what you got? All right, we're probably going to talk about this a little bit later. And um, I don't care that it was, like, who their opponent actually was. And we can probably talk about them a little bit, too. Uh, it's from the NFL. And it's Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, 324 yards passing, five touchdowns, no picks, perfect passer rating. And uh, for people who are concerned that he runs too much, he only ran twice for six yards. Not bad for a running back. Yeah, not bad. Not bad for a running back. <laughs> not bad. Yeah. Um, just a complete uh, dismantling of the Dolphins. Uh, <laughs> I think he should take credit for being the guy that – would pretty it's pretty much causing a mutiny on an NFL team right now. Yeah, yeah the, the players want to get out. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. So he's he's from Miami, right? Yeah. It was he was he sticking it to his home hometown team? Um, <laughs> did they pass on him in the draft? Yeah, because he was Probably, the last pick yeah. of the first round, so yeah. they passed on him in some kind of way. Motiv- Brian Mo- <laughs> Motivation. Right. Josh Rosen. <laughs> All right. Uh, my buster of the week, my Nathan Peterman award of the week, <laughs> goes out to Dan Quinn, oh. head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> and this is why. You made seven coaching changes in your staff. If you count yourself, you will have made eight. You brought in a new defensive, I mean, offensive coordinator to go along with adding four offensive linemen, two drafted, two signed. First play of the game, and you get a sack. First play of the (laughs) season was a sack by your all pro. Jake Matthews that you're paying $16 million for. You moved to defensive coordinator as the head coach, and you lose a game, and Kirk Cousins only threw the ball. Was it eight times or ten? Ten. Ten times. Ten. He was eight out of ten for 98 yards. You lose a game with quarterback – with with, a, with, with with passing yards under a hundred, they ran the ball thirty eight times. Wow! Against the Falcons' defense. Ironically, this is the kicker. Oh, before you go, it, ten times. Ten times. Ten times. Eight for ten, right? Yep. Yeah. Nine eight yards. This is the kicker. The offensive coordinator that we have been trying to get in Atlanta for the last. Two years is the offensive coordinator that ran it down your throat, mm. which was 
Mr. Kubiak, the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. And guess what? The wide zone running scheme ate the Falcons up for a mere 172 yards. It looked like if Dalvin Cook looked like he was running straight to Canton. Yeah, he really <laughs> based on based on what we saw. That in itself tells me we talked to DW. He said we should 50-50 share the blame. But it's the head coach's job to get the players prepared. And for all those who say, well, other guys didn't play in preseason, like Carson Wentz didn't play, this person didn't play, well, they didn't have wholesale changes as you did in preseason. So you have to get on the same page. So, um, as DW said, Dan Quinn might need to bring two buckets of water with him to this game because his seat is hot. And he's my Nathan Peterman award of the week. Before you go on, like, what's crazy is that that offense, the Vikings, that, that still works in this league. Um, using quick linemen and having the running back work in space, giving him space, but teams don't want to pay running backs the way that they should. No, it, it's agree. been successful it, for successful. years. Yeah, going back to Mike Denver. Shanahan. Yeah, Denver. It was absolutely. All right, Jay, who's your uh, Buster slash Nate Peterman Award of the week? Yeah, my Peterman Award is it's pretty apropos apropos this week. Um. Nathan Peterman, a lot of people don't know, but he attended Tennessee initially <laughs> and, uh, during um, his college career. So, uh, you Can know, you I'll, do this every week? Yeah. You make a connection to Nathan Peterman? Yeah. Like I, I six do. degrees of Nathan <laughs> Peterman what, or something like that. Yeah, I keep doing it. So, with that said, my bust of the week goes to none other than University of Tennessee volunteered head football coach Jeremy Pruitt who added another loss on the wrong side of the win-loss column. Um, They lost 26-29 to BYU, who flew clear across the country. Um, This is Tennessee's second home loss in as many weeks. Um, I'm calling for it now. I'm just being straightforward and very candid at this point. Jerry Pruitt needs to be fired. Unfortunately, his his buyout is $10 million. So we might be stuck with him for the rest of the season, but um, that's he's my bust of the week. Um, the the Peterman Award goes to Jeremy Pruitt, who both of their last names end with P. There you go. <laughs> there you go. P for pathetic. <laughs> uh, we, we'll find a way to make that work every week. Um, mine goes to uh, for me like a big thing for me in watching football is situational football. Knowing down and distance, knowing the clock, um, especially if you have the lead. So my Peterman Award goes to the Detroit Lions and more specifically, offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel. (laughs) Uh, So uh, they played the Cardinals. The game ended in a tie, but Detroit could have easily won this game in regulation um, had they been had Daryl Bevel not panicked. So I believe it was third down, um, the clock's running, and even if, um, even if 
they if they get the first down, the game is over. If they don't get it, the clock's still running. Arizona will have less time to try to get down the field. And Kyler Murray really had not played that well until the fourth quarter. So um, they have the play. They go up to the line. The timeout is called. Daryl Bevel calls the timeout. And really, assistants can't call timeouts, but the refs gave it to them anyway. But the way that they, they the Lions kind of ran the play anyway before the whistle was blown, I think it was a wheel route. The running back was wide open. He might have scored. Wow. Or he would have at least gotten the first down. The game is over. But he calls timeout. They run another play, a different play. It's an incomplete pass. So the clock stops, giving Arizona even more time. And they were able to get down the field, get a touchdown, a two-point conversion. Uh, and the game ended up in a tie. But with situational football, not only knowing down and distance and the time, can you can do these coaches trust their players at all to run a play? You you talk it like you talk in their ear until you know 15 seconds before the play clock. Uh, you're telling them where to go with the ball. You give them the play, and Matt Stafford. This is year 11 of Matt Stafford. Yeah, I think you can trust him to run a play, or if he has to change it, or have him call timeout if something looks bad. So, not being able to trust your players and playing bad situational football, poor clock management. Uh, he went to what I call the Les Miles School of Clock Management <laughs> with <laughs> keynote speaker Andy Reid. <laughs> and audible mention Dan Quinn. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we're killing the coaches tonight. <laughs> but just terrible situational football. It, it cost you the game. It should have been a win for the Lions. My Peterman Award Daryl Bevel, offensive coordinator of the Lions. Wow. Wow. Well, we killing them. It's a bad week for coaches. Hey, man. We hey, it, it's a funeral in here today. Yeah. Cause uh, we had to get them. Had to. Got to get them. Had to. All right, man. Let's go wrap up ballers and busters. Really appreciate that. Sponsored by Vibe TV. Vibe TV is the place to be. Stream live for twenty five dollars a month. 20% discount. All you got to do is type in SRT. 20% off. Type it in the promo code. You have it. You get all the football games. And trust me, you can get them on the NFL or you can get them on a local station. It doesn't matter. You got two sources to go to. So find your source that works for you. Vibe TV is the place to be. Go to VibeTVapp.com. All right, when we get back, we got to talk about what we learned the first week of NFL football and what player or team we were impressed with. So you tell us, we'll tell you, but we advise you to keep it locked. You listen to Sports Roundtable with the SRT crew on the real 1100 srtradio.com. Are you thinking about changing the station? You're only hurting yourself. Keep listening to Sports Roundtable on 1100 AM. The work never stops at Bow Bell Basketball Academy, or more specifically, the feet work never stops at Bow Bell Basketball Academy. For boys and girls ages six and up, Atlanta's own Bow Bell has played and coached basketball all around the world and is here to share his philosophies, specifically how footwork is the foundation to be a complete basketball player. Visit CoachBowBell.com for details about upcoming camps or call 770-912-4104 for more information.
Bobel Basketball Academy, where feet work is key. Sports Roundtable. Hey, Seattle. We got a deal. <laughs> Go Hawks. Go Hawks. But I'm going to see y'all in the morning. Good night. Time for y'all to go to bed. Finally, we can go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> See y'all in the morning. Uh, I guess that's Russell Wilson. <laughs> no, that's Dangerous. <laughs> Dangerous! <laughs> Only on WWWE, the real 1100 AM. The Roundtable Discussion. What are we talking about? Hit it! Sports Roundtable back at you. I'm H.O. That's Jay Smooth, and of course, my main man, G-Money, is behind the glass, and Hancock is on PTO, and we are the SRT crew. Thanks for everybody who's tuning in live on the radio, who's tuning in on Facebook Live, who's tuning in on the app. Shout out to my main man, Doc Wilson, man, uh, Wilson Smith, uh, always inspiration to us and he loves sports roundtable and what we bring uh to the sports world and the sports nation had a very very great uh conversation inspired and healthy conversation this past weekend with brother alan smith his son and man we we just we just got down to it man and you know that's why feedback is so important because you gotta get the feedback from the listeners uh to make sure that you're on the right track so uh, this this shout out goes to Alan and Doc Wilson for always supporting Sports Roundtable and myself. Uh, the love is felt, and uh, we would not be here without any of you guys that listen to us and support us. So we really appreciate that. Um, Roundtable discussion sponsored by our friend Bo Bell, Bo Bell Basketball. Uh, you can go to CoachBobellBasketball.com for uh, more information where you can get improvement and enhancement on your basketball game where he says feet work is key. And obviously, France had better free feet work than USA this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I'd, throw that, thought I'd throw that out there as well. So first week of uh, NFL Smooth, what did you learn? What was impressed? What did you learn? What did you notice? What did you observe in the first week? Well, I'll just go with a few things. Um, G, G alluded to it earlier, but I think the Miami Dolphins appear to be the worst team in the league. Um, I feel bad for Brian Flores, who is their, their head coach. Right. Um, he's a comes from the Bill Belichick tree, of, well, head coaching tree. I kind of wish he would have stayed in New England and um, – Will, will it be a St- another Steve Wilkes? I think so. Possibly. <laughs> if if he is, if he's one and done, I won't be surprised at all. Um, Miami Dolphins are bad. I don't know if they'll go 0-16, but I don't expect them to win more than two or three games right. this year, Um, if that. Um, not only that, um, Marty would like this. The Colts will be just fine without Andrew Luck. Um, Jacoby Brissett, you know, he showed – a strong command of the offense. He was able to get the ball in the hands of his playmakers, most notably T.Y. Hilton, who had a big day. And Marlon Mack, um, he looks great. You know, I would love to see more from him in the passing game, but he ran the ball effectively. I think 25 carries, 174 yards. Um, He looked great. And 
last but not least, I know G and Hancock would like this one. The Dallas Cowboys. They have an opportunity to be a a truly prolific unit this year on offense. Um, outside of those, th- their core pieces, Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott, you know, they've added other playmakers. Randall Cobb, they brought him in. Michael Gallup seems to have taken a step. And this, well, this year, even Tony Pollard backing up Zeke, um, I think he can provide some depth and, you know, sort of um, relief Zeke when needed. And, you know, I I don't know how much respect we want to give Jason Witten, but I, he's a Hall of Famer, so if he's out there, you have to at least. I don't know. But, hey, but that's what I learned this week. The Cowboys, Dolphins, and Colts, they, I learned a lot from those, those teams. All right, G. Uh, I'll start with the Cowboys. Uh, I see. I think that uh, Jason Garrett is letting Kellen Moore call the plays mm-hmm. <laughs> because there were a lot of big plays. Uh, Dak was throwing it downfield, which uh, didn't see a lot of in his first three years, or it was just to one guy. Right. But uh, Gallup made some plays. Amari made some plays. Randall Cobb. Um, even with Blake Jarwin getting involved, the ball is going down the field uh, instead of like, you know, these this dink and dunk. Mm-hmm. So they're going for big plays, which will help them down the line. Um, secondly, Green Bay's defense uh, is going to win some games for them. Uh, it's not going to be all on Aaron Rodgers. Um, I believe that the offense will pick up for, the, for them. But the defense is going to keep them in a lot of games and possibly win some games for them because they definitely won that game for them last week uh, on Thursday night. Um, the Browns are not ready for prime time. Just <laughs> not quite. Talking about the hundred last week. Tighten up. Just mm, not quite. Uh, just a lot of mental mistakes. I believe they had... If they had five more penalties, they would have set a new NFL record. Was it 12? Was it 12? <laughs> I think it was 18. It was 18? like 18, yeah. yeah. Was it? Yeah. Wow. Talking so, about undisciplined. Yeah, there's a there's there's some chaos going on. Internal chaos or just, uh, just undisciplined football. Uh the Titans definitely got to take advantage of that. Yeah. Um Well, I don't know if you were going to bring him up. Um the Mississippi Mustache might be something. Yeah, I saw him in, 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 in old Jagville. Yeah, um, we'll see how how that how that turns out. Is it going to be a Dak Tony Romo kind of situation? Hey, right. Just to let the people know. Who you're oh, Gardner Min- Minshew. Yeah. Right. Uh, watched the state quarterback uh, for last year. He's on the Jacksonville Jaguars. He is known <laughs> for his mustache. <laughs> uh, some people on Twitter thought he was uh, a Doobie brother. Um, and uh, I think the Bills are going to surprise some people yeah Jaheim Allen aka Josh Allen yeah Yeah, (laughs) Uh, he he, I saw some good throws but he still has you know a lot to work on but the Bills might mess around and win a few games this year right yeah Uh, I learned that people will overreact in the first week. Mm-hmm. Um, I also learned that um, Andy Reid is a really good coach. Uh, doesn't look like Kansas City, Mr. B. 
you have the whole offseason as defensive coordinators to to try to figure this Kansas City thing out. And it, it looks like the defense is just as lost. <laughs> uh, sorry that uh, Tyreek Hill is out. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how 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 that affects affects things. Uh, also, uh, gee, I'm a, I'm gonna go w- with one of your routes. I think the Oakland Raiders may may surprise some people. Um, they they played decent. Uh, I like Carr. Actually, he went downfield a couple of times, and mm-hmm. T- Tyrell Williams is going to be a a monster player for them this year. Yeah. They have two tight ends that are going to be, and you already know Josh Jacobs is a beast in the backfield, uh, their running back. So um, I was surprised in how prepared they were, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, when you looked at who was getting a lot, a lot of acclaim throughout the offseason, you had Cleveland getting a lot of, a claim for being having this so much talent that you had this uh, because of AB you had such a distraction with Oakland and how they he could disrupt their team they was actually on hard knocks and things of that nature so you didn't really kind of expect or at least I didn't expect them to come out and look as decent as they did they did have uh, well I think the kind of the advantage they had with their continuity is that that, that might have been the issue with right. not having AB, but he wasn't there all yeah. that much. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah. they went out there with what they had been practicing with. But yeah. also, I I think Denver's gonna be sorry this year. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, the last but not least, um, and this could bowl over into who impressed me, but uh, if Cincinnati Cincinnati had a a, a little bit of a run game against Seattle. I, you know, Andrew, Andrew Dalton had an awesome game. Yeah, Zach Taylor. He's he's come in and the new head coach right. of the Bengals. That is, he's come in and you know, it's changed things up. He obviously comes from the Sean McVay mm-hmm. coaching tree. Um, I don't know how brilliant of an offensive <laughs> mind he is, but he he looks a lot more adept yeah. than, uh, than Marvin Lewis. Absolutely did. So I, you know, I'm interested to see what happens. I don't know how long AJ Green is going to be out, but. Things could get interesting. Mr. Ross. Yeah. Had a wonderful game, and I had him on the bench. But wow. <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. him on the bench. But Mr. Ross, if they got anything from their running backs in the run game, then I think they actually could have beat Seattle. Yeah. So, but those are some of the things that I also learned. And we also should probably pay attention. As I said last week, Dak money is continuing to grow. Yeah, Jerry better make a deal. Soon, immediately. <laughs> yeah. I think he may be at thirty-two million right now. As far as uh, speaking of that, um, honorary Nathan Peterman Award, <laughs> Carson Palmer for what he said that Dak should take ten, fifteen million. Oh wow! Oh, stop it! You wanted him to cut his desired salary in half? Wow! Says the quarterback who made two hundred million dollars in his career. Wow. Somebody to take less money? Get out right. of here. A, a key story broke on Dak this week. I don't know if you guys saw it, but Dak reportedly makes $50 million outside of, well, in outside endorsements, outside of football. And that's one of the reasons that he's been sort of patient in making a deal with the Cowboys. Um, 
according to the report, he's he's um he's picked up certain insurance deals that would sort of you know prevent his safeguards in case he right. gets hurt. Um, I, I forgot exactly how they named the deal, the um, the insurance benefits or insurance. I don't know what it was. It was some sort of insurance mm-hmm. that pre- you know if he were to get injured, the insurance funds would kick in and you know would cover whatever losses he might incur. But um. Yeah, agree with you. Jerry needs to make a deal soon. Yeah, needs to make a deal soon. Uh, he has loss of value and disability insurance policies. Okay. Loss uh, of value is probably the big one. Uh, worth fifty million dollars, and multiple uh, endorsement deals. The only one I know he has is with um, Campbell's. I don't know Campbell. I know I know it was like yeah, Oikos, Campbell's. whichever one that Cam Newton had, and then they cut him, and then they got back Oikos. Oikos. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's the only one I know of. Yeah. I think he do have a Campbell's idea. Chunky Soup? Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. They like they like quarterbacks for yeah. some reason. Oh, one more one more thing. Um Jameis Winston. I don't <laughs> He he probably should have been um he was definitely deserving of the Peterman this week. Uh this is a guy who has in his fifth year, he he's he continually makes the same mental mistakes that he that he has since he was at you know even at Florida State so I don't I mean it's one game I don't want to overreact but I I just don't know about James um this is probably his last opportunity to be something I I, I don't say that Richard Sherman uh had an interception that he returned for a touchdown he caught a touchdown pass from <laughs> it was thrown right to him wow <laughs> also uh before we move to impressed and not impressed um <laughs> did y'all see uh in the first half where Kyler Murray got sacked by his own player? I didn't see that. Did you see uh, it, G? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> they said does the offensive lineman get credit for a sack? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had a pretty pretty horrible first half. Yeah, he, I, he showed me a lot in the second half, and it it's funny at, at the NFL level he looks very diminutive out there. I mean, <laughs> the guy is small, but the thing is he he made a lot of accurate throws. He showed a lot of poise, and he, he was very sure of himself, sure of himself in the second half, and it it showed. And Larry Fitzgerald looked like the the old Larry Fitzgerald. Yes, having a quarterback makes a difference, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> Yeah. All right, let's get to the team or the player that you was impressed with. G, I know you already started off with uh, Mr. Lamar Jackson. Uh, anybody else that you were impressed with uh, this week as far as team or player? Um, I was uh... – Well, you can just talk about Lamar. I mean, I th- think you've – said all that he did but you know I think that with I don't want to put too much into that I mean he played great it, it was the Dolphins right right <laughs> but uh, I think he, he still he still had a he had a great game um, I was really impressed well I said before I was impressed by Green Bay's defense because right. they really haven't had a, a good defense in a long time um, I liked um I kind of, it's kind of weird with Houston 
now i know they they lost but uh i think they're going to their offense is they're they're they have an exciting offense they do still right uh even without lamar miller um deshaun watson is gonna he he when it's time to make plays it's like he always seems to do it um their 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 defense coordinator also got a Peterman Award. Yeah, I was gonna mention <laughs> like why was, are the safeties playing so right, far back? I was gonna mention that. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up for sure. Um, uh, but their their pass rush is gonna be lacking. Uh, JJ Watt is is not really the same. I think he was held without a tackle, or at least for a majority of the game. Um, I also impressed with uh, New England, even before they bring in Antonio Brown. If he if they do indeed get to play him uh without gronk i think there was a, a number to where last year with gronk they only ran like 25 total plays the entire season without a tight end wow. against pittsburgh they ran 24 plays with no tight end just open up the offense they just change. They just change it up. Some right. people like to say, "Oh, Brady's a system quarterback." He's played in like three or four different offenses while he's been there. But because they've had, it's the continuity of Brady and Belichick. People don't really notice that, but the offense has changed over time, right. and he's adapted every time. So now you're not gonna have. You don't have Gronk. Okay, let's just put another receiver in there. And it, like you said, it opens it up. So I, I was impressed that they just made that change so quickly and they didn't miss a beat. So let me ask y'all this. So I'm going to tell you the guy that I was impressed with, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Carolina Panthers. Now, there are some guys that are saying Kamara could be the better back in the NFC South. But I'm gonna ask you guys, and maybe we can pose it as a, as a as a poll question: Would you take Kamara or McCaffrey if you had to choose between the two? Uh, right now, I'm taking um, Christian McCaffrey. This is well, I, won't, I won't even call this a controversial statement, but I because there is a lot of truth to it. I think right now this kid is probably the best all-purpose running back in the NFL. Saquon is really good. Zeke is really good. Um, but I, if there's if if we're ranking running backs in tiers, Christian McCaffrey has to be in that first tier. And I mean, it, it, it's all preference. Um, Zeke, right, right, Saquon, right. who you prefer. Right. But this is a guy who he caught over 100 balls last year, and he appears to be well on his way there <laughs> this, this year. Um, this was a in guy the first week, right? This was a guy who we thought was too small to run between the tackles, but he's, you know, he's proved the naysayers wrong. He shut down that rebuttal from everybody. I mean, he can run between the tackles, and Cam Newton has not been himself. Um, I, I think the multiple shoulder injuries have taken away from Cam's ability, and I think Christian, Caff Christian McCaffrey, I think he's the, he's the centerpiece of Carolina's offense from here going forward until, you know, further notice. Yep. G, your thoughts? Uh, you taking McCaffrey, Kamara? McCaffrey or Kamara, like, I think that just, like, I, it's really close. But I would give the edge to McCaffrey because of what he can do in the passing game. <laughs> uh, I know Kamara can catch the ball out of the backfield, too. But it's like every time McCaffrey gets the ball, 
he's a threat to score. Whether he he's handed the ball or they throw it to him, he's more of a threat to score than Kamara. Um, and he can run between the tackles. Like, like they're both the same, about the same size. Right. Um, but McCaffrey just reminds me of what I thought Reggie Bush would be in the NFL. Right, right. He has that kind of ability. Um, but it's really close. But maybe next week I might say Kamara. So. <laughs> <laughs> or next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. All right. So uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown, receiver, Baltimore uh, Ravens. Impressed with his speed, impressed with his catching ability. Um, had a good, pretty good game this this week. Uh, also, John Ross for the Cincinnati Bengals. Also, another speedster who uh, had a wonderful, wonderful week. And let me see. They, you know, how many plays Marquise Brown was on the field. Not many. It was like 18% of the snaps. I, well, I don't know how many snaps it was, but I know it was only 12 plays. Yeah. And he has seven catches. Was it seven or was it four? Four. I think four. Oh, yeah. four? Okay. Yeah. What? Two touchdowns, it's 147. Out of 12 plays. Right. So, <laughs> more productive. More impressed with Marquise or John Ross or Deshaun Jackson? Well, Deshaun, Deshaun still got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess we learned he, that too. He, huh? he still right. got it. Um, eight, eight catches. Yeah. Um, 154 yards. Like I, I like with Deshaun. I kind of put him. Follow me on this one. Um, uh, he is Randy Moss, but six inches shorter. Mm. As far as you know, what he's going to do, what kind of route he's going to run, but you can't stop it really. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of that's the kind of player he, he still he still has it. John Ross finally showed up in a game. This is the best game he's ever, ever had, had. Yeah. as a pro. This is what Cincinnati drafted him for. Top ten pick, right? Yeah, yeah. Thank God for the changing of the coaches. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he, if he has a coaching staff believing in him, we we should see more of this. But a lot of people wanted to label him a bust after last year, um, just because he couldn't stay on the field. And then when he was on the field, he was – he just wasn't productive. It yeah. seemed like he wasn't any good. Um, but he he showed up this past week. Um, but is it a fluke? We just have to see more of it. But right. he still he still was impressive. All right. So, Sammy Watkins. Mm-hmm. Another one of those <laughs> – another one of those receivers. Like, yeah. he was a top five pick. Yeah. Um. And we have to see more of it, and he's going to have more opportunities with Tyreek Hill being out. He sure will. Uh, did he work on his route running, and you know, and catching just to, to make himself a target? Because he looks like he should be he should be the number one guy in the offense. Yeah. Uh, he has the opportunity to continue to show that. All right. So the question would be, out of Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, uh, John Ross, Sammy Watkins. Who will con- su- sustain this throughout the year, in your opinion, out of the three? Because two of them we have been looking for for a bit now. Hollywood Brown, was it a just a great game? Can he sustain this throughout the year? Out of the three, Jay, who do you think would sustain this throughout this season? I 
do not think it's going to be Hollywood. Reason being, he only played he played a very small percentage of the snaps. Um, I think 18%, maybe 10 to 15 plays. So him repeating the success he had on Sunday is highly unlikely. And, you know, let's not forget they played the Miami Dolphins, who we don't expect to be very good. Um, John Ross. A.J. Green is not there, um, and John Ross appears to be the better receiver at this point compared to Tyler Boyd. Zach Taylor, he's implemented a new, you know, pass-happy, um, a very wide-open offense in a sense. So I, I think he'll continue to have success. But for me, it has to be Sammy Watkins, especially with, as G alluded to, with Tyreek Hill out the next, you know, four to six weeks. Sammy Watkins is a guy only five short years ago in, in my mind, I thought he was one of the better receiving prospects that I had seen coming out of Clemson at the time. But, you know, his his college teammate, DeAndre Hopkins at Clemson, is turned out to be the way better pro receiver, in my opinion. But I, I think with the stability that Kansas City has offensively, and he's not only that, he's playing with the best quarterback out of those. <laughs> best quarterback. Yeah, so, I you know, I expect, in my mind, I think Sammy Watkins has the best chance to – to sort of be consistent or have sustainable success. All right, G. Um, well, yeah, and and with that, like, Ross is in a similar situation mm-hmm. uh, as, as Watkins by your top receivers actually down, down, and now you have the opportunity to get to get more um, to get more balls thrown your way. Um, and they're both in offensive systems that create a big plays – as far right. as, you know, for, for receivers. Uh, it would be hard to say Hollywood Brown only because it was the Dolphins right. and he was running as uh, some people would say butt naked open. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah. so that that remains to be seen. Um, I don't want to put that on a on a rookie, but I you, you saw what he can be. Um, looking at both performances... I think I think John Ross is going to he's going this is going to continue more for John Ross because um, it seemed like in some cases when Dalton was in doubt throw it to number eleven right <laughs> it's not eighteen but hey he it, it was working out so I think I think John Ross can sustain this over the season and then when AJ AJ Green gets back if he comes back healthy. Teams are going to be worried more about him right. than Ross because then, then, then Terrence Boyd make this jump last year in right. some kind of a way when AJ went down, it was starting to be the Terrence Boyd, Boyd start to come along and things of that nature. Now it's a John Ross who's a who's a speedster mm-hmm. uh, to to do this. So maybe Boyd Ross and when AJ gets back. Maybe Cincinnati has a formula three as far as the receiver court with the new uh, head coach that yeah. comes from a tree yeah. from McVay that opens things up. Maybe mm-hmm. Dalton maybe needed somebody to, to push the buttons. Yeah. So maybe Cincinnati may be a team that we may need to, to kind of look out for. So, um, so, with that being said, you got to say the most impressive team this week, I think the Eagles and the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Eagles coming back from a 17-point lead. 
the Cowboys just do we give them a pass because of the Giants or I you I don't I don't think you don't have to give them a pass because no matter how good the Cowboys are, the Giants could mess around and beat them right. no matter how bad they are. Right. So I, I but to see that it was like domination from start to finish. Right. And the and the all the big plays that they had, there hadn't been a lot of that. Even when they had Dez, it wasn't a whole lot of big, big plays. plays. Right, right, right. So will we say the most impressive was the, the Cowboys, or the most impressive was the Eagles, or do we have other? Do you guys have another team that impress you? Maybe like the Baltimore Ravens. I know Lamar did, but you know, as a team, did they? Was the Buffalo Bills comeback? Impressive to you. I mean, what do we have? I'm going with the uh, Tennessee Titans, and I, you know, I hate, I hate to be a homer, but I mean, we we knocked off everybody's. Well, not everyone's, but a lot of a popular preseason Super Bowl pick. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. You know, I don't I don't know if the Titans can sustain. You know, the level of play. Um, a lot of things just went right for them on Sunday. I think having Delaney Walker back in the lineup definitely does help. Yep. I was impressed with A.J. Brown and his debut. I would mm-hmm. like to see more of him. Um, Derrick Henry. Um, awesome. never, yeah. We're never sure what we're going to get from him. But, <laughs> but when he does show up, it's, it's really special. I'll just say that um, if if Marcus Mariota can somehow continue this level of play, I think Tennessee could have a great season. It. It bothered me that he was sacked four times. I, you know, you definitely with the guy who's injury prone, who, you know, who's consistently on the injury report. Right. That that's a bit um disturbing. worrisome. Yeah, disturbing to disturbing for me. But um, for the most part, I I would have to go with the Titans. G, you have another team or you? Um, I mean, I was definitely impressed by the Cowboys. Uh, Michael Gallup surprised me. Right. Because uh, usually, like, there hasn't been, like, a legit second receiver <laughs> um, <laughs> with a mark. Like, it it was him last year, but normally it's been you, they have one receiver and then the second ruin is Jason Witten. <laughs> so having a receiver on the other side was uh, it's definitely good to see. Um, I was impressed by the Chargers, even though they, they kind of blew that lead mm-hmm. to the Colts, but they were able to win it in overtime. It doesn't look like they miss Melvin Gordon all that much. No, <laughs> um, Austin Eckler is—he he won that game for them. Yep, he won that game for them. Uh, just making plays when they needed him. Um, I was also uh, uh, another, and it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but the 49ers showed up to play mm-hmm. um especially on the defensive side it, i mean i know it's Jameis winston and he might throw the ball right to you but <laughs> <laughs> they still they st- it looked like a, a total balance effort and of course the chiefs i would my concern for them is that they have this great passing game but can they run the ball if they can run the ball it doesn't matter how the defense plays they could still put up 40 like they just did and LaShawn McCoy rushed for 81 yards. He did on what? Yeah. 10 on carries? On 10 carries. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah. I think a few more weeks in that offense once Shady – I know he's he's worked with Andy Reid in the past, but I'm sure some things are different. Once he gets used to the offense and, um, you know, 
well, Lawrence's offense. I think we'll see a lot more from him and Damian Williams. They they're gonna be scary. I think it's a it's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely a good start for them. Yeah, yeah, that, that definitely scary if they can run the ball and it's gonna open up for even more big plays. Are you guys impressed with the duo of Malcolm Brown and Todd Gurley uh, in L.A.? Um. Well, as a guy who has Todd Gurley in fantasy, no. Um, <laughs> but but yet, um, as a you know an objective sports analyst, yes, I am. I the Rams needed to find a way to sort of curtail or or pull back on Todd Gurley's um, workload, and they did on Sunday. Malcolm Brown appears to be a you know a suitable backup. A lot of people thought um, you know the, <laughs> the Heisman candidate Daryl Henderson. <laughs> would be uh, <laughs> they thought he would be the, the backup but Malcolm Brown has stepped in and Ty Gurley even in the second half he, he did exactly what they needed him to do he looked really strong he finished with right under 100 carries but I'm, I'm impressed with the, the Rams yeah I, I think it's um, it might be bad for fantasy owners if you have Todd Gurley because it looked like it looks like Malcolm Brown's going to get the, the goal touchdown. line carries yeah. and the right. touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but definitely it's a good it's a good one two punch to have, and that's a, this is another team like if they can run the ball, uh, it will open up their passing game, and they a lot of stuff they do is off of play action. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and if if they need that second guy, kind of what C.J. Anderson was for them last year, right? Then, uh, I mean, this is a good another good start for them, but for fantasy owners. Malcolm Brown might get those goal line carries. Yeah, he might get picked up. All right, man, it's going to end our roundtable discussion, and it's time to get up out of here. Shout out to everybody who continue to listen. Shout out to the crew. Shout out to the big man above that continue to, to bless us to do what we do each and every week. Shout out to everybody on Facebook Live. Shout out to the sponsors, Vibe TV, Big Easy Grill, Bow Bell Basketball, Jesus Cars. And I uh, want to thank also DW for calling in from the Falcon Give us our Falcon report. And also thanking Slick Money. Hopefully we can win some fruit cups and some moolah this weekend uh, as he called in with his picks. Hancock, get back well. Uh, get back safe next week. And uh, that's all I got. Yeah, shout out to the entire crew. Um, Jackson also. Um, Slick Action Money. Jackson, that is. Action Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. All the guests, Slick Money, of course. What up, Unc? Uh, D-Dub, appreciate you coming in. Hopefully the Falcons don't, <laughs> you know, can turn things around for you. There you go. Um, shout out to, you know, everybody out there listening, all the attendants, wherever you, you may be watching. We appreciate you and um, all the sponsors. And, you know, that's all I got. Uh, shout out to, uh, to the crew here. Um, uh, shout out to my mom and dad. Their anniversary was yesterday. Happy anniversary. Mm-hmm. Should have played some Tony, Tony, Tony. Yeah, maybe later. <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone, uh, thank for everyone who watched on Facebook Live. We had a couple of difficulties, but we got it straightened out. Click the bell for, for so you'll know the next time we go live next Wednesday. There you go. Also, shout out to Tracy. She's always doing her thing, man. She says she loved the new intro. We appreciate it. Obviously, you are obviously one of the number one supporters that we have. And don't forget, Saturday. Big Easy Grill. Everybody's invited, 1230 to 2.30. Come on out, hang out with the crew, eat some shrimp, watch some football, things of that nature. So that's how we're doing it. And you already know, um, it's the greatest show on earth. 
maybe we are, are, the, are the coordinate phrase the greatest show on earth I don't want to take anything away from Marshall Falk and Kurt One and all that it's gotta be stuff. earth Earth. Greatest show on Earth. Yeah, greatest E-R-F. show on Earth. <laughs> but you know how we do it. Uh, if you don't, if you don't, li- if you don't like, it, you better learn to love it because it's the hottest show going today with myself, Ho, J Smooth, Hancock, and my man, man G Money. If you love the show, tell a friend. And if you didn't, Dolphins fans, I feel so bad for you. Me too. And we out. Peace. <laughs>